0: Well, down, uh, down through the years, there have been uh, many great partners. We, uh, we know uh, Batman and Robin uh, were uh, two of those partners. Laurel and Hardy, a uh, great uh, comedy team. How about uh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy? Great partners, no doubt about it. Let's see, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Uh, maybe. The jury's still out on that, I suppose. How about uh, two partners here, uh, Ashley and Tom? Today we, uh, we share. Uh, yeah, there you are. Well, <laughs> Thank you very much. We, uh, we're going to uh, attempt another one of these uh, uh, sermons in tandem. Always good fun to, to do that, and we, uh, we look forward to that. We lift up uh, partners today because we, uh, we consider uh, partners uh, that were two prophets, Many, many years ago, back in the 6th century B.C., Haggai and Zechariah, partners, two prophets, one purpose. The the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, were all about awakening the people of God, encouraging them helping them to recover their self-identity, and giving them a purpose. And essentially that, that purpose was, was, was many-fold, but it, it, it really was uh, presented uh, in the challenge to rebuild the temple after it had been destroyed uh, so many years before. So we have partners in, in Haggai and Zechariah Haggai uh, prophesied for about three and a half months. If you read through Haggai, and I want to encourage you to do that, the uh, the scriptures uh, very very clear. Almost the, the the not just the month, but also the day that that Haggai started prophesying, and and the not just the month, but the day when uh, when when Haggai stopped prophesying. Uh, so three and a half months for Haggai. Zechariah prophesied nearly a, an entire lifetime. There's some important dates we want to remember. Now, sometimes dates can be very tedious. Sometimes they can get confusing. Sometimes they can be tough to to memorize, but these are are red-letter dates for the people of God. Uh, These are red-letter dates because they they strike uh, not only to to certain occurrences that happened um, at a certain time, on a certain date, but they, they really strike to the very uh, fabric of what it meant to be uh, a child of God, what it meant to be uh, Jewish, if you will. One is 586 B.C. That's a, uh, that's a red-letter date. It was the day that, uh, that, that uh, the southern kingdom of, of Judah was, was vanquished. It's the date that uh, Jerusalem fell and some 50,000 uh, people from uh, from Judah were then exiled to, to Babylon that babylon babylonian exile was uh, was a, a red letter occurrence as tough as it was it it was a, it was a it was a tough occurrence it struck uh, not only to uh, to the loss that was suffered but to the very identity of who the the people of God were. We'll learn a little bit more about that in just a bit. So 586 B.C., the the Babylonians come. They they vanquish the southern kingdom of Judah. Jerusalem falls, and exiles are then taken to Babylon. The next date is 538 B.C., uh, some 50 years or so uh, later. That's when, uh, w- when Persia is on the rise and Cyrus is, is in, uh, in, in power and the Babylonians are, are vanquished. And Cyrus offers a, a decree that the exiles would return to Judah, 538 B.C. And then 520 B.C., uh, here in this uh, latter part of the 6th of the century B.C., Haggai and Zechariah begin to prophesy. They begin to preach. They they begin to encourage uh, the people as they have now returned from exile to to get to it and to rebuild the temple. It had great significance for the people of God. And these two prophets, these partners, if you will, began to, to preach and encourage for the temple to be rebuilt. They're calling on the people to get with it. You know, they had gotten a little bit lethargic uh, in their response to God. They they had gotten a little bit lethargic in regard to their spiritual lives. That happens to us all the time. You just kind of get into this Sort of malaise where you're 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 just sort of there, not really growing, not really the sort of vitality that that uh, that that God would have us to have in regard to our relationship with Him. So you get a, a a sense of that that sort of encouragement as we read first today one of two scriptures, but the the first of which is from Haggai, the very first chapter, and we read um, verses two through eleven. So let's hear this from God's Word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you have never enough. You drink, but have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops— I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. God's Word for God's people.
1: So both Haggai and Zechariah encouraged the people to get with it. It was time to get with the program. I can hear my mom's voice in my head. Those times when I was in high school or growing up and I just didn't have it together, she would go, get with the program, Ash. Get with the program. We can all hear that when we need to get with the program. We need to get aligned with what we need to be doing and focus on it. And God was now acting to lift Judah out of their misery. Now, we know from weeks of talking about Judah that they were not with the program. They had been miserable. They had been through a lot, and they had been destroyed. Now they were exiled. They had sure been through it. They had been kicked to the curb and through all of these things for a better part of a century. And for many of those years, because of all of that stuff that they went through, they became preoccupied with themselves. We know self-pity though doesn't get us very far except into more self-pity and into more of a thinking of woe is me. The encouragement to rebuild the temple was essentially a call to obedience, a call to focus on something other than themselves a call to come together with one purpose so they could start working together and take the lens of all that had happened to them, all that had happened to their families and the generations that had been behind them, and to start looking together towards something that was bigger than themselves, something that would help them find revival, reinvigoration, and a spiritual fire that they had been lacking for many, many years. This obedience that God called them to led them to a spiritual renewal. Now these days we are all in need of some encouragement. It's been all too easy these past few months uh, to focus on anything and everything and anything other than what's actually important in our lives. To focus on things that we cannot control, but boy we sure wish we could. In some ways, it feels like we have been exiled as well, separated from the life that we had grown accustomed to, forced into something that none of us has been comfortable with, no matter what side of the fence you land on, where your opinions and your beliefs are. We've all been uncomfortable. God stands to encourage us. He is still at work. He has always been, no matter how tough things are or have been or how tough things will be. God is still sovereign. He still loves us. He is constantly bringing about his good purpose for our lives. We learn from Judah's story that even after the wallowing of self-pity, the hundreds of years of disobedience, God is still providing purpose for Judah. We read it in this scripture today. He was still trying to provide hope for them. He was still trying to provide a way for them back to him. I don't know about you, but that encourages me so deeply that I can't contain my excitement about that truth.
0: So the people of Judah uh, took to heart the encouragement of the the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to get with it. One date that uh, I didn't mention earlier, yet a, another really red-letter date, 516 B.C., that's when the, uh, the, the new temple, if you will, was, uh, was dedicated to God. Yeah, it had been rebuilt, and, and in all the encouragement that Haggai and Zechariah had offered, along with Ezra and Nehemiah and a uh, host of others that uh, really encouraged the people, the, uh, the temple was, uh, was, re- was rebuilt. When uh, Haggai and Zechariah preached, they were, they were laser focused on this rebuilding of the temple. But as I said a little bit earlier, there were some things that, 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 that really cut much deeper. There were, there were some things that were, were going on here that, that struck much deeper than just some building program. Really what Haggai and Zechariah, uh, two of the minor prophets that we study this summer, we're getting at was a recovery of self identity for the people of God, and it's at that point that we we find this this deeper level of uh, of God working and God speaking through the prophets of a recovery of self identity. Let's uh, let's take just a moment or so to uh, consider how that uh, self identity had been had been robbed from the. Uh, from the, the people of Judah. You know, they, they thought that, uh, that Jerusalem would, would never be overcome. They were firmly convinced that, uh, that, that God would always protect the holy city. And there was a very distinct reason for that. They had even gotten to the, to the point where they understood that, that, that God actually resided in the, the inner sanctum of the, uh, of the temple, the Holy of Holies. And if God resided there, He would never allow uh, Jerusalem to be vanquished, much less the temple to be destroyed. Well, as we've already mentioned a number of times this morning, uh, Jerusalem was vanquished and the temple was destroyed. And now the, the people were left to, uh, to, to rethink things. That struck to the their very the the very identity uh, that they they uh, had in regard to their relationship with God. How could God ever allow such a thing to happen? In fact, as they are ushered off to, to exile, we read in uh, in Psalm one thirty four seven where how how can we praise God in a foreign land? They actually w- wondered, would God even be there. And of course, we've come to, to know, as they did, that God is wherever we are. And God did encourage them, as Ashley has already uh, shared. Uh, uh, God uh, did strengthen them. Uh, God was present even in that foreign land, and they, they sort of got that, but they had to really come to grips with that as they returned to Judah, and, and of course, to the holy city of Jerusalem. They, they question as a matter of th- their own identity in God, about God's sovereignty. Again, how could God let such a thing happen? And so the, the rebuilding of the temple uh, gave them pause to really consider their identity. We all know that, that much of our spiritual identity is, is caught up uh, even in, in space and in, in building, even in this, this very special room. We, we, we have experienced God right here just as the, 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 the people of Judah had experienced God in the, in the temple of old. All that being said, there was this uh, important push to sure rebuild the temple, but to recover a sense of self-identity as they related to God, that God was still sovereign, that God was still moving, that God was still present, and that God would be wherever they would be. And as their hearts were open to Him, as they they found themselves uh, looking to, uh, to, to, to be in relationship with God, they would become aware of that. So, the encouragement of the uh, of the two prophets, these partners, was to to rebuild. To do that um, literally, to rebuild the temple, and that was very important as a as a symbol of identity for the people of God. They were also to rebuild figuratively, uh, rebuild, if you will, spiritually. Uh, to to regain who they were in God. And all that was wrapped up in this this building of the temple. And as God worked to to prove himself true, they would know and understand that he was their God and that they were, were his, his creation, his children. And in that, they would find their relationship with God that much stronger, because their identity in him had been recovered.
1: In the mix of everything the prophets preached, they also talked about the Messiah to come. These later prophecies and also the people who heard them became highly expectant of the one who was to come. Zechariah in particular talks about the Messiah coming in all humility. We know the image of the babe in the manger and coming in through the triumphant entry on the donkey. He talks about the Messiah's reign, which will bring peace to all the nations. Now let's hear from this in uh, Zechariah, our second passage from the day, chapter 9, 9 through 13. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your son, Zion, against your son's Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. It's interesting that these two who were so focused on the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem would be even more focused on the reign of the promised one to come of God." They were very much convinced of God's sovereignty over people and nations, all people and nations, past, present, and future. And that leads us to the table where we seek God through these elements and know that he offers so much through his son, the very one Haggai and Zechariah prophesied about. We find our identity at this table. We confirm whose we are bought by Jesus' blood. We remember that we too are working on a building just as Judah was. Not a building per se, building, though yes, we are of course working on that together too. But God's building, His kingdom, partnering with Him and one another to assure God's kingdom is first. That our purpose is to build it, to grow it, to ensure that everyone will hear and experience the love of God. Zechariah says we are prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope in our fortress. I read that and was so deeply touched by that profound statement. We are not bound by chains of sin or sorrow, grief or pain. We are bound by joy and hope. Hope that is manifested through the bread and the cup hope that nourishes us, encouragement that brings us to our knees to realize that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves, our preferences, and our egos. We are a part of God's family, a part of his kingdom, and our goal, first and foremost, is to show as many people as possible this great love and grace that we have experienced through this wonderful and beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we come to this table to remember whose we are. I think of that beautiful scene from The Lion King, my favorite scene, where Mufasa comes into the clouds and he keeps telling Simba, remember. Man, if I had my voice from last week, I'd really be able to do some James Earl Earl Jones today. But he says, remember who you are. And as Mufasa is going in the clouds and he's disappearing, Simba just keeps running after him. He doesn't want his father to leave him. But his father didn't leave him. He, is, he was in who he was. And we remember when we come to this table, we remember whose we are, that our identity is founded in what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross remember through this bread and cup who, whose we are. If you would, let us say together our confession and pardon as we prepare our hearts to come to this table together.